Welcome to the 451st of the COVID Calls. This is a daily discussion of the COVID-19 pandemic with a diverse collection of disaster experts. My name is Scott Gabriel Knowles. I'm a historian of disasters at the Korea Advanced Institute of Science and Technology, and I'm coming to you live from Daejeon, South Korea. Today, I welcome Chilean architect and city planner Roberto Morris back to COVID Calls for an update on COVID in Chile. Just a reminder, you can catch COVID Calls live on Twitter and on YouTube. On Twitter, just follow at US of Disaster, and on YouTube, you can just go to the COVID Calls YouTube channel. You can hear COVID Calls anytime recorded as podcasts on iTunes, Podbean, or anywhere you get podcasts. You can also keep up with COVID Calls following at US of Disaster or at COVID Calls. Please do help spread the word and send suggestions for future guests future topics. But please don't wait long. We'll be wrapping up the regular COVID calls on March 16th. As of March 4th, 2022, according to the Johns Hopkins University Coronavirus Resource Center in Chile, 42,809 people have died of COVID-19. In Argentina, 126,000 624 people have died. In Brazil, 651,522 people have died from COVID-19. In Spain, 100,413 people have died. And in Portugal, 21,162 people have lost their lives to COVID-19. I've been reading an obituary or a story of advocacy for those impacted by the pandemic. I'd like to continue that now. The headline When teens blow off pleas to get COVID-19 vaccines, the consequences can be deadly. This was written by Bernard J. Wolfson and appeared in Kaiser Health News, March 4th, 2022. Headline, Costa Mesa, California. Kennedy Stoneham, a high school junior, deflected repeated entreaties from her father to please get vaccinated against COVID-19. I would send her articles, I would send her studies, I would send her whatever I thought might either scare her enough about COVID to get the vaccine or allay her concerns enough about the vaccine, said Lee Stoneham, age 41, a public defender in Orange County, California. His mother, who lives in Cleveland, also sent emails to her granddaughter urging her to get the shots. She was very skilled at blowing it off, Stoneham said of his only daughter, only child. It was constantly, okay, I'll think about it. It was never an outright no. Tyler Gilreath, 20, resisted the constant nagging and cajoling of his mother, Tamara DeMello, to get the COVID-19 vaccine. He was one of those kids who had to make every mistake himself because he always knew best, said DeMello, age 60 of Apex, North Carolina. The more a mother's lips move, the less the ears on their male children open. Both young people recently died of COVID-19. Kennedy Stoneham on February 11th. Gilreath in September of 2021, the vaccines had been available to them for months before their deaths. Parents of teenagers and young adults are familiar with this tug of war. Their kids, soon to be full-fledged adults, resist parental input and think they know what is right. They learn about COVID-19 from friends and posts on social media platforms, such as Instagram and TikTok, not always the most accurate sources. Parents may have enough leverage to compel their children to get vaccinated, take their cell phone away. It would be three hours before they were lining up at the clinic, Stoneham said. Vaccination rates remain low among young people in the United States. Just over 57% of kids aged 12 to 17 
and 62% of 18 to 24-year-olds are fully vaccinated, compared with 69% of the entire vaccine-eligible population of the United States. Teen vaccine resistance is also hardened by a stream of social media posts confusing and shifting recommendations from public health officials and a youthful skepticism of authority, experts say. Kennedy Stoneham spent a lot of time on TikTok and on social media, and I think she was picking up some misinformation there, said Lee Stoneham, sitting on the back patio of his home on a warm, brilliantly sunny day in late February. She was also hearing from her peers that the vaccines could cause sterility. Stoneham said her biggest stated reason for not wanting to do it was that we didn't know what the long-term impact on fertility was, he said. Hillary was wary of the new vaccines, particularly the potential impact on his heart, DeMello said. He did a lot of research, a lot of times more than I did, she said, but he also listened to a lot of the conspiracy stuff, she said, and he had that youthful sense of immortality telling her, if I get sick, I'll only get sick for a couple of days and I'll get over it. I'm healthy. Most kids get mild illness, but there's a percentage of kids who get very sick, said Colleen Kraft, a pediatrician at the Children's Hospital Los Angeles. Two to six weeks out, kids can develop this multi-system inflammatory condition where they can get inflammation around their heart, liver, and other organs, and they can die from that. Kraft also pointed to the risk of diabetes after a coronavirus infection and of myocarditis an inflammation of the heart muscle. Research shows the rate of myocarditis or cardiac injury in people who have had COVID-19 is 100 times as high as the rate of myocarditis that has been linked to the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines. Flu-like symptoms then a turn for the worse. Kennedy's stonum came down with a mild flu-like symptoms in early January. A few weeks later, two days after her 17th birthday, her mother took her to urgent care because her eyes were turning yellow. Doctors there were alarmed and sent her to the emergency room in an ambulance. At first, her condition improved rapidly, and doctors called her response to the treatment miraculous, her father said. But then she took a sharp turn for the worse. Doctors struggled to control one life-threatening crisis after another, Lee Stoneham said. It was sort of like playing whack-a-mole, he said. Her body was just under attack at that point on multiple fronts. On February 10th, 2022, Kennedy Stoneham was transferred to Children's Hospital Los Angeles. Shortly after arriving, her pupils stopped being responsive and a CT scan revealed a massive brain bleed. Stoneham said she died the next day. Mello, Gilreath's mom, nearly persuaded her son to get the shot. She had been vaccinated in March 2021 and was on him frequently to do the same. Mr. Gilreath finally agreed in August when DeMello told him that getting vaccinated could be his birthday present to her, but he wanted to wait until he arrived in Wilmington. Port City, 140 miles southeast of his mom's house, where he was planning to attend the University of North Carolina campus. He never even got the first shot. A few days after he arrived in Wilmington, he caught COVID-19 from one of his roommates. He died a little more than a month later of a brain infection related to COVID-19. Donham wishes he could have forced his daughter to get vaccinated, but felt his influence was limited because she didn't live with him full time. He said the thing he loved most about his daughter was her sense of humor. She was really funny, he said. I loved laughing with her. The story is, when teens blow off pleas to get COVID-19 vaccines, the consequences can be deadly. It appeared with Kaiser Health News March 4th, 2022, and also published on CNN.com.
Okay, I'd like to turn to the conversation today, and I'm delighted to bring my friend Roberto Morris back to COVID Calls. Roberto Morris is an architect who graduated from the Pontifical Catholic University of Chile with a master's in city design and social sciences, also the London School of Economics, and a PhD student in civil engineering at the University of Granada. He's an expert on integrated planning, carrying capacity models, sustainability, and resilience. He's worked with the UNDP, the World Bank, and the IADB. He's a professor at the School of Architecture and the Institute of Urban and Territorial Studies, and he was principal investigator of the National Research Center for Integrated Risk Management, director of Cities Observatory UC, and the director of Plans and Urban Projects at UC. His research has focused on developing instruments to assist decision-making through methodologies and management models that integrate people into common objectives. Roberto Morris, it's good to see you. Welcome back to COVID Calls, my friend. It's good to see you, Scott. Thank you for the invitation again. Let me start the way I usually do, just find out where you're calling from, how the pandemic situation is playing out there. Um, I think it's, it's, it's good <laughs> um, considering the, the, the situation um, because we the, the main idea of last year was um, to be flattening the curve and we did it. But of course, with the Omicron, to, with the Omicron, is um, we started a new phase uh, where we have we had been with forty thousand, now twenty three thousand new cases per day. But the impact in the in the in the in the health system is a lot lower, which is very good because we have a higher percentage of. Uh, um, People vaccinated. I think it, even this government has been suffering <laughs> for different reasons for these four years, um, and with a lot of, um, concerns about the, the governability, uh, and even respect to the, to the COVID, um, management. Um, I think is that the decision of the government in the beginning, the first few months, to be um, buying uh, vaccines without to be sure about the the the, the if these uh, uh, new vaccines will be working. I think that was a very very important decision and was very risky. But at the same time, now we can see. Uh, how this small country has been dealing with the with the COVID for maybe for two reasons. One is because uh, we have these vaccines from the beginning, um, which is very different to the rest of the of the region. And at the same time, uh, because uh, I think our um, disasters uh, culture has been good for. Um, the way how the population has been managing the 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 the, the whole process. Of course, uh, we had been with very strict lockdowns for several months, maybe too much, but the impact on the economy was very high. But at the same time, we had been 
acquiring a lot of um, new habits, health habits, uh, which um, from my perspective, I think it will be continuing in some way. I think that is, is very good. Um, maybe one of the, the things that may, we can talk later is, is um, the, our experience uh, with natural disasters is, uh, was, it wasn't considered enough uh because um the 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 whole process of the, the whole management of the, of the of the has been with a special focus on health and the the the, the leader of the of the the, the the public policies has been the minister of health um in some ways it's good but in other way it's not enough because the impacts in the system in the system is 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 is, is very high and very diverse mm -hmm. and how other crises um these kind of events uh, affect uh poorer people the most vulnerable groups uh, had a lot of um, social aspects that are, should be considered and territorial aspects as well. Um, I think at, at the moment that is my <laughs> first outlook. Yeah, let me ask you about this. So, you, I mean, you, Chile's government, I mean, you've been through a, a complete national referendum on the constitution, um, a change in leadership that will come in, Gabriel Boric, who will come in March 11th. Pinera is out. Uh, you were we were chatting a moment before. I just and I was reading that it's a largest representation of women in the cabinet and the ministers ever in Chile's history. Youngest. This has been and of course the uprising, the popular uprising that brought all of this on, layered in with the pandemic. So now with a little bit of perspective, how do you see the connection between the two? Does that shift in government in Chile? Is that possible without the pandemic? Would it have been more robust without the pandemic? How do you see the connection between mm -hmm. the two events? I think the 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 political um, process we had been living is has major impact. I, 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 it's difficult to see if um, everything would happen the same way that um, uh, without um, the, the pandemic, um, I, I imagine that the pandemic was good to calm the situation because since the um, uh, 18th of October of 2019, when we started this period of uh, social transformation um, because of this explosion <laughs> um, in, uh, of, the, of the society. Um, we had between October and March um, when coronavirus started here, the 3rd of March, um, a few days ago, we, we, we had the second anniversary. Um, we had very, very intensive uh, uh, 
days and 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 months, and I think it in in, in some way uh, the coronavirus um, attracted the attention of the whole population to to this health condition, um, and I think in that way this intense situation of the first month was um, impacting in the way how the in the, the, the activities in the public space were different because of the lockdown and 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 all the different impacts. But I have to say that um, the social transformation that we had been living is so strong that I believe that is the in the in the future we will see how this is um, bigger than pandemic. I think the 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 even the explosion of um, 2009 2019 um, is is was just one part of accumulation of at least ten years of different um, um, uh, um, uh, movements in the society, starting with the students, um, the, the, the the secondary students. Yeah, and later, these students, they were later in the university and they have a strong movement um, to transform the uh, educational system, but just as a flag for a transformation of the society, um, the, uh, they were pushing the government to have a new constitution. But for us, um, for everybody, I, I, I have to say that was something that we wanted, but was very difficult to to to, to believe that we could do it um, in a in a in a normal way. You know, I think it was we needed this this very strong um, upheaval up, up, up uh, to to make a point. And start a whole new process um, because if, if we think in the in the in the in the in the in the in the, in the explosion of 2019, the 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 the, the point was um, against the 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 public transportation was a this a tiny thing, right? But was just an expression of a Big, um, um, I don't know. I, I don't find the word to, to, to. We were ex exhausted of this of the system. Um, yeah. Everybody, not just the the, the most vulnerable groups, uh, because the neoliberal model was um, creating a lot of in, in, inequality, and and these process. Um, just was an expression of something bigger, and that is why we move to the main transformation of the constitution. Because everybody knows that the constitution is not changing the everyday life to to in few days, but we needed to go to the big umbrella to do it. And I, I think it was very important how the plebiscite um, to to decide if we will have an or not a, a new constitution. The, 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 the results was 80% of population wanted a new constitution 
and a new constitution wrote uh, 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 with, uh, um, with the participation of 50% um, women and, and, and men and indigenous groups, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's amazing. It's not easy and we have been, we are living that process now, yeah, but sure. I think it's exciting to see how we are doing something that a few years ago we thought was very difficult. Uh, I think about the um, well. It's deeply impressive. I mean, and as a person who's who's spent some time in in Chile, not nearly as much time as I would like to, um, you know, to to even have a little bit of an insight into that, and to have met some of the young people who undoubtedly were part of that transformation, is uh, is just remarkable and impressive, and doubly so when you consider what was going on, you know. Roughly the same time in the United States, when you have this partisanship that is, I mean, you know, the attack on the Capitol. And I know you follow American politics very closely. I mean, it's just the energies are just moving in such different directions. Uh, so I guess it's a way of saying I'm quite jealous, uh, <laughs> envious of how that how that process has played out in Chile, and very hopeful. And just to congratulate you. I mean, it's just it's so impressive. And particularly, you point out the plebiscites. I mean, to pull off that process again in the middle of the pandemic, mm. when so much was unknown, particularly like how safe with before the vaccine and how safe would it be for people to, to be together? And, um, you know, that's and, and yet it went forward. Mm. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's one of the things is we 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 need to consider that the crisis that we were living was for we were living a crisis for several years even right. we were growing economically because inequality is something that if you are a rich people or middle class, higher middle class, and you feel that your work is getting better conditions, you you can feel that is because of you. But and of course, it's it's my case. I I, I live in a very good conditions, uh, well educated. Good, uh, I I had the opportunity to have a good job. Of course, it's a good life. But when you work uh, with in the territory, you can see these huge differences. Um, sure. Even the higher numbers are good. And I think that is a good um, experience to consider for other countries, uh, which are the important metrics to consider. You know, is is because in my generation, I have fifty years old. I, I used to work for the for the government. Um, we were trained. In a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a model where we needed to be negotiating all the time, mm -hmm. you know, the, not big because my generation and especially older generations, um, we didn't want to have a coup d'etat again. You know? yeah, we, right. we had this memory of conflict. Conflict aversion is such a core Chilean value of, of you and I are the same age. So yeah. I, yeah. I and I saw that when I was. When I was there, it's such a culturally important, specific difference from, say, the United States. The the willingness in the U.S. to go from a conversation to a shouting match, I didn't I didn't see that when I was in Chile. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, we 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 were moving the line um, because if you see the high uh, figures are very good in different ways. You know, from 1990 when the democracy started, we had around 50% of poverty. Later, we had around 12, 13. You know, is it, is is huge, uh, but we were creating this problem that was very difficult to to change mm. because we had some fear to lose everything and this new generation they they i, I think that they didn't have time because they had been doing politics from the school you know these the, these guys uh, the, the 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 new government the cabinet with the president of 30 36 years old the current president is 72 is double yeah. <laughs> it's amazing yeah. and but these guys has been doing uh, politics for 20 years uh, and, and then they are expert doing politics and in a, in a, in a different way that how i was trained yeah. doing um uh, uh, doing politics or 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 governing and I think it, that is amazing. Of course, is with a lot of risk, like everything. But I think hope is a very important word right now. You know, even we we have some fear because, of course, we have a divided society. This is still a divided society. We have a lot of problem with trust for 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 years. Uh, and now I think is this new period is um giving us hope that we can change things but we can learn from the past that is something that is not against the other part you know yeah. because now we 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 are understanding that it's not just one part is very diverse it's not a country divided in two parts it's because now because when you see the the, the, the graffiti uh, of of, um, of this process, because it's like a, a storyboard, it's not just for a new constitution. Is feminism? Is um, a sexual orientation? Or uh, is uh, ethnics? Is vegan? <laughs> no, is mm -hmm. Everything. I think it's the main thing is to see how Chileans and new Chileans, because we have been receiving a lot of uh, migration, is is we are rebuilding the country in a way that we need to to be conscious how diverse we are, and, and yeah. because Chile is very homogeneous in several ways, but our our territory is very diverse and the people as well but we were trying to maintain um i think a kind of average yeah and and i think now we are unveiling these uh, diversity i think that is very very strong for in, in several ways
just remind folks you're listening to COVID Calls. I'm talking today to Roberto Morris, architect who lives and works around the world, but primarily in, in Chile. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I wanted to, and just a small note at the end of that, I think that um, political scientists will be looking closely at governments that have been through fundamental transitions in the middle of the pandemic. I mean, I'm thinking about what's happening in Ukraine right now. We've had countries that are, are slipping into an authoritarian mode in the pandemic, and the connections are not always so linear, but I believe very clearly that in the fog of pandemic, it's the connections are there. And then to see something you know completely opposite happening in Chile, where healthcare has been part of the central you know, axis of discussion. I mean, in a broad sense about health and well-being, as you were just as you were just describing. I want to pick up on something else. I want to make sure I ask you, you know, one of my greatest memories of being in, in Santiago is receiving messages from you. Uh, it would go something like this. Five o'clock in the morning, I'll pick you up and we're going to go to this place. <laughs> but, and, and invariably, wherever we went, it was, we, were, we were seeing small businesses. We were seeing local merchants. We were understanding, you were teaching me about the sort of the whole world of economy that exists in small spaces in Santiago. And so I wanted to ask you about that, you know, now that you've been through, I hope the hardest parts of the pandemic, but certainly several phases of it, what has been the impact on small business and on neighborhoods in Santiago? It's a wildly diverse city by you know, every possible way. And you're such a close student of it. What have you seen? Oh, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a big thing. <laughs> Your question is, I, I will try to be short. Um, before the, 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 the pandemic, um, around 30% of the, of the economy was informal. Uh, but we knew that the real number was higher because um because of the migration because of the of the of the because it's not just informal is because it's vulnerable uh, it's because there are a lot of very fragile uh, contracts you know some people they had a a contract but they the conditions were um, not so good um, but it's different that Mexico, they, they had 60% of the population yeah? uh, uh, in the informal sector. And, and here, um, I think is we, we are, in, in several ways, we are a very traditional uh, country, um, moving because of the special for the 30 years, moving slowly. Um, and the economy was... Um, we, for example, we we didn't have a very strong delivery system, uh, uh, and but pandemic because this lockdown created the conditions to, to to everybody to say, okay, I need to do something, I need to sell something, and and I think is the 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 good thing that the government uh, I think is was trying to create the conditions is to to support people that they were losing their jobs I think in that part of the of the we are we are not a, a welfare state but we are trying to 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 maintain the conditions um, but I think the 
the people was um, considering in the beginning that they needed to be very creative. And I think it, when, when you see now everything that happened in these last two years, it's amazing how we have new kind of jobs that, or, or, or the consciences that you, your time is very valuable. You know, that in, in your traditional um, job, in, in a lot of people, they need to cross the city um, for two hours or three hours even. Um, but now most people say, okay, now I have my time. I can decide what to do. I will be managing my time. I prefer a, a, a more flexible job and, and use the time in other um, um, uh, jobs uh, with myself or, or 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 using the time with my children, etc. I think it, it's very it's very impressive that you can see how um, the 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 neighborhoods has the, the neighborhoods has been adapting. I think that is the the other word. Creativity adaptation is something how. Everything has been adapting from the houses has been every house was adapted I think in every everywhere in the world but um, this has also happened um, one thing is good that that, that Chile is a very technological country is uh, we have a very good um, communication system for decades Chile has been used as a laboratory for big companies to to see how these new technologies work. Right. Here and later, they use it in the rest of Latin America or even the world, and and that we have been taking advantage of that, and 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 uh, that is is something that happened inside of the houses. But at the same time, you can recognize how neighborhoods has been also transforming, creating more local um, um, retail, mm-hmm. and and I think that is something that will be good um, in the future because it's something that is, is there and uh, most people is, is, is rethinking their opportunities. And, and I, I, I have to say something that I, I think is important. I was thinking yesterday, as I said, the, 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 the 3rd of um, March, uh, when we had this anniversary, that the second of March, <laughs> we had uh, a workshop with the uh, National Organization of Street Markets, hmm. uh, and in that the, the second of March, the topic that we used was what happened if the if the if the um, COVID uh, crisis affects Chile, because we knew about. China, you know, uh, 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 other countries, Spain, Italy, but the 2nd of March of 2020, for this group, that, and and everybody have to say, was something very far, amazingly far. And and our question was, what happened? What would you you do if this happened? And and they say, okay, it will be another crisis like earthquake and we will be managing, and I think it's the the level, the impact 
uh, 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 of this crisis was something that in few weeks, in few weeks, we figured out that we needed to do something different than before. And I think that is, is, is amazing. And I think around the world, but in our case, we had been recognizing this adaptation process where it's mainly how the people is talking to be to, to agree new ways to work. Hmm. And I think is the, the, the street markets um, is something amazing because they are uh, flexible and is 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 something that you you can see how the city is adapting because of 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 these transformations. Now that's really interesting. Uh, let me let me follow up on another one of your projects that um, that you've been working on for years, which is um, uh, urban planning and uh, growth strategy, economic growth strategy for Easter Island. And I've I've been so curious and thought about the people that I met there over these last two years. I mean, it's an island, obviously, um, economically and politically, it's part of Chile, but it has its own quite distinctive history and and culture. I suppose you haven't had a chance to go. I don't know if you no, have. No, no, it's closed. It's closed. It's still closed. Yeah, yeah, and 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 they have, they had eight new cases because they have a military airplane that was landed <laughs> a few days yeah. ago. But it is is very interesting the case because it's it's quite unique. I, I don't know if you have a question about that or, or you Yeah, no, to... I I just was curious if you'd kept up with people there and how they managed things. I mean they just closed it off, basically. Yeah, it, it's closed, but I think it one of the interest very interesting case that we had been working with them for more than ten years uh, about about um sustainable development, um urban footprint, especially current capacity. Um and this island, the main economy is tourism. And I, and 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 the, the, we were working. We developed the, the the current capacity model for the island because they had too many people, uh, and they say, okay. The question was, how how many people we can have here um, without destroying the environment, but at the same time, we know that we need these tourists. To, because of the of the main thing of the island, and and that was the main concern, and we have a new law about that. Uh, but with the crisis, everything changed because we did it, they needed to change the system without tourism, and to rethink the way how they 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 need to produce um, their food. Um, and I think it's the has been a very interesting experience for them to 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 rethink. I think that I think that they are still in that process, you know, because they are seeing how they can manage the island in a very different way how they did it before. And I, I and I think that they will do it in a different way in in, in the future. Um, they were very vulnerable because the if they had a, 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 a huge impact of the of the COVID would be very very dangerous, but they didn't. I think that they had been very smart, very serious. Um, of course, I don't have the the, the 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 real information because I haven't the opportunity to go. But now we are 
we are figuring out how to do it <laughs> uh, because yeah. it's, a, it's a very interesting case, I, I have to say, for, for the world. I can't wait for you to get back there and, and report. And I and particularly because, you know, and we talked about this last time a little bit. We were in the middle of it. The, trying to glean the environmental impacts of the pandemic lockdown phase is one thing, but also various sort of ideas about sustainability got a massive trial all at once around the world because of the pandemic. And nobody would wish a pandemic to slow down, you know, industrial economies and transportation around the world as some sort of experiment. But there it was. And and I think, you know, the Easter Island case is, is fascinating because it's a place that was, as you said, it had transformed itself to being reliant on tourism. And that tourism was, to put it mildly, wrecking the environment of the place. And so now they had completely shifted away from that. I mean, you took me to the landfill of Easter Island. I mean, to, to see, like, you know, the scale of the place and think about that how short a time would go by before they would really not be able to sustain their environment was very moving. And now for two years, they've been, they've been closed off. I'm, I'm curious, again, I guess my question was, you know, um, I don't know how they can reform their base economy so drastically to cope with it. But it's one of these places, and islands are always these places, I guess, where yeah. you can actually study these kind of processes as they play out as a totality. Yeah, I think that when 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 we are work, talking about um, sustainable development everywhere, but especially in islands because you have more cons, cons, constraints, is uh, is what is the what is more important? What is more important? You know, is, is, that is a question that everywhere you have to say for us, for as a as a as a as a as a, as a island environmentally and as a group of people and what is most important and and i think that question is 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 the key to say okay because of that we will be prioritizing our decisions to maintain that goal and with this metric and i think is is um that discussions before the pandemic will be different now because mm. for them with uh, when you have one way to to have money, it's very difficult to say, okay, I will swift and uh, 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 shift. Um, sorry, and to 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 a, a completely different way. But but now you can see here and everywhere, but especially in islands, that okay, I can live in a different way, and now I I can make the decision to say. The way how we'll be living in the future, and I think that is something that is 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 connected with two two things. The first is who is the we, who is the us? Is it is a is just the indigenous group, or is the indigenous and the Chilean workers, or and the tourists? You know, and everywhere. Because when we start talking about sustainable development, the first thing to say, who is the we? Uh, and because we need to protect that we. <laughs> and when we say, oh, we are worried about that, who is we? Mm -hmm. When we start 
to talk about that is is is, uh, is 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 important because if you are just considering your um, small smaller group, you are of course not considering a lot of other impacts. But when you are your that we is larger, you know, the considerations are larger as well. And I think that is one thing. And the other is uncertainty. Because in 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 risk management, we are very interested to risk to decrease risk, uh, and but and of course, our sanctity is something. It used to be something there. We, there are something, some things that we know, the other things that we didn't know, and the focus was to manage this territory. I need to decrease risk. Um, and of course, decrease uncertainty. But we have to learn that uncertainty will be there all the time and maybe higher. And 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 that is not how uncertainty we have; is how we manage the resources that we have. And I think that the focus is not the thing that we don't know; is to start thinking what is the thing that we know. Mm. And, and 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 relating with something we had been discussing several years ago is like Donald Rumsfeld has this famous quotation about that the know the thing that we know the thing that we don't know the thing that we don't know that we don't know right. but it's very interesting the thing that we don't know that we know. And and mm-hmm. and how is you can active some memories that they are present, but we do are not using, and that mm-hmm. is how one of the ways to face uncertainty is to to see ourselves, to see our us, you know, to see our us considering the environment, to see okay, we have this knowledge but we are not using that knowledge and i think right. that is something that right. is we need to we need to work in that part everywhere i just want to give a quick reminder that i'm talking to roberto morris today on covid calls we have a couple of minutes left I, w- I wanted to return to something that you telegraphed at the top and i think it's a good issue to close out our discussion with and it's actually sort of you were just getting into it now thinking about the the deep history of chile and the disaster history, earthquake, uh, of course, wildfire and flood, but also the coup d'etat and the Pinochet regime and authoritarianism and the long trauma of that and now COVID. So is this, as you think now with the beginning to get some perspective on COVID, we still have some distance to go. Will this shift? the sort of um, mentality of Chileans around disaster? I mean, is this is a country that disaster, for a disaster researcher like myself, I was told, everybody I met was a disaster expert. I mean, everyone <laughs> had a story, mm. right? And a philosophy of how they cope with, you know, things like you were just talking about, risk and uncertainty. And it's so deeply part of the culture. So where does the, I guess my question is, where does COVID enter that, into that long history? Yeah, I think it's I think it's important is um, because 
we are very proud as a country to be uh, a resilient country, even before we use that word, you know, because resilience is something that we have been using mostly in the last decade. But um, we believe that we are resistant. Uh, but because we have a bigger experience with earthquakes, is our culture is very seismic. Uh, is that uh, because we have we have been training more in 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 earthquakes and and that culture is mainly to be worried about the environment okay 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 this will be resist this will be resist we are worried we need water we need candles we need, and we know how to deal with earthquakes but at the same time when you have this event the idea is to be very quickly okay everybody's safe, we need to help, uh, we need to clean. And, and that thing when you are cleaning is, okay, we need to forget very quickly to start again and to rebuild. And that is, is something good in some ways, but at the same time, we need to have um, a, a larger focus and a multi-hazard way because even Chile has is the second country with more active volcanoes. We have uh, um, uh, uh, tsunamis, we have everything, almost everything. And and I think if we have been moving to this multicultural um, perspective of uh, risk management. And I think is is that's multi is very important. In 2010, we forget that we are a country with a lot of tsunamis because we we, we didn't have tsunamis for several decades and we forget and i think is um that consciousness is is important now because especially thinking in climate change in this because it's is something permanent and we need to have these memories very active i think that, that is the new thing 2010 was a with a pressure against memory that we need to be aware of our memory the territorial yeah. memory and to reconsider, we are a multi-hustle country, but later we will think, okay, the climate change is a, is a slow disaster. We need to be worried all the time. It's not just the event, but I think is the, the, the COVID was something even more multidimensional and we need to be checking all the time. Mm -hmm. I think that is something like historian like you is, they could play a very important role now because the memory is yeah. something present you know it's a, we, yeah. it's, it's something yeah. you can manage it's not something you can go to see or or to remember it's a it's a it's a tool of management and i think yeah. that is something we need to practice uh, just uh, one more quick thing on the on the way out uh how are people in Incadoro? how are people in the north have they coped okay with this? And I, I want to share with you that um, Incadoro, for people who don't know, is a small, uh, it's a small town in the mining uh, country in the north of the of Chile, and uh, it has become that place has become a centerpiece of the <laughs> ongoing bedtime story that I've told my children for several years now. It made such a profound impact on me as a place, and and in part because it has this again very deep history, and then also central part of the extraction economy 
of Chile and an environmentally very fragile place. And so these things you were just talking about, you know, the, the, the history is really palpable there. And I've thought about them a lot and wondered how they've done through this pandemic. Yes, it is, it's, it's, uh, again, it's a huge thing uh, to talk about. Uh, but we had the opportunity to maintain working in, in the region. We had been working for the last two years in Atacama. Now in Copiapó, in the capital of the city, we were doing the, 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 the plan Ciudad. It's a, it's a city plan, but it's not just a planning with um, projects or, 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 or land uses. It's mainly a governance process. And it has been very interesting to, to see how cities has been adapting. In, and, and this, um, this, uh, activation of memories is, is, is interesting in the case of, uh, Inca de Oro because is, is, uh, they are proving that when you need to be, you, you need more dynamic policies. One example, um, this um, Inca de Oro is a very small town, but it's, a, it's, it's part of a, a huge mining area. And if uh, if one company, a real company, is working there with a lot of people for a few months, they they use the the facilities, the health system, in a different way how they used to use it. But the system is is not fast e- enough to adapt to that conditions. And with these mining uh, companies, um, the health system use the, the, all the, the, the resources in one week, and, and, but they need it for one month. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you don't have this, the tools to adapt it in the way that we need it. That is why I think it's, it's, it's an example how we need to be in a, in a, like, um, Working in the time, considering the the the, the, your, the patterns of behavior of the past and and how in the new, in new scenarios you need to be worried and how public policies could be working in that uh, so dynamic uh, mm. environment. I think that, that is something is a is a huge um, challenge for us and and because. I have to say, Incaduro is so tiny that nobody cares, yeah. you know. But I, but at the same time, it's an example of how the 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 the, the economy and the population is a, is affecting a, 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 an area where we don't have the the, the tools that we needed. Um, yeah. Let me just remind folks, you've been listening to COVID calls and you can usually catch COVID calls at 7 p.m. Eastern time, although these days we're doing COVID calls at all different days and times as we're leading up to the 500th episode on March 16th. Uh, I want to thank my guest, Roberto Morris, for this update. It's great to have you back. It's always good to spend some time with you and and, uh, excited for this new government that's coming in. And thanks for taking the time to explain what it's been like through this pandemic, Roberto. Be well, my friend. Oh, thank you. Thank you for the invitation. It's very interesting to to talk about what is happening because it's not just Chile, you know, all the time. Now we are watching Chile, but at the same time we are watching Europe and and yeah. Ukraine. And I use I was in Spain the whole month of January 
January and it was very interesting to see how different is the, is the way yeah. how Spain is dealing with the with the, the crisis and and I will be very interested to see it everywhere because it's it's it's, it's, it's interesting to see how is is the same problem but it is different how uh, the countries are dealing with that and how they are helping each other as, as well Stay healthy, everybody. And thank you again, Roberto. We'll see you next time on COVID Calls.